friends. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. I'm very glad that you're here. I have a special interview that I'm going to do today. This is my last podcast of this year. And I thought a wonderful way to close out the year and to start the new year is to talk about social media because it's such a ubiquitous influence in our lives and we know that we can use social media redemptively and we can also use it in ways that have an adverse effect on ourselves uniquely and also our relationships. And so what I wanted to do is interview someone who is very much involved in social media and maybe even more in tune than most of us because she is a young adult. And so she's right in the middle of the fray when it comes to social media. And so I want to introduce this young lady who wrote a blog post. And by the way, if you want to read the blog post, you can do that. I have a link to it here in the show notes. And so you can click on her blog post and read her thoughts uh, on social media, the use of it, the good and the bad of it. But I enjoyed the article so much that I asked her if she would come to uh, our home and do an interview. And by the way, since she lives here, uh, it was easy for her to come downstairs. And so this is the voice, uh, the voice that you have heard for, for years now. Tristan Thomas, my daughter, I, I asked Tristan a number of years ago if she would do an intro and outro for my Life Over Coffee podcast, or my, an outro rather. And so at the end of all of the podcasts, you get to hear her. Now, that was her 15-year-old voice. And so now you're going to get to hear five years later her 20-year-old voice. Tristan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. And so Tristan, uh, our, our oldest daughter, she just turned 20, just graduated uh, from college as well. She has a degree in, what's that degree in? Journalism and mass communication with a focus in broadcasting, essentially video work. There you go. And she has a, a job where she works for Herd. What, what's Herd's name? Herd Media is a podcast development company. So we basically do all of the back end work on producing podcasts and marketing it. And you started reading and writing uh, when you were, what, six months old? I, that would be something that you could say. I don't know. Very, very early. Yeah. So she's been reading and, and writing uh, from an early age, started journaling. Uh, probably five or five or six years of age, and and then she uh, got into podcasting, and so she's been doing. Uh, this is actually her wheelhouse: uh, reading, writing, and doing video production. And you know, we try to encourage all of our children to go uh, rear them, up, rear them up in the in the way that the Lord is leading them. And and so, understanding Tristan in her mind. We tried to encourage her in a broad direction, not a specific direction, because we would not have that intel that's between her and the Lord. But just knowing how she's wired, we tried to encourage her in a specific direction. And because uh, she's super social, uh, very uh, social, loves being with people, and she loves writing, she loves uh, social media, video. And so it just made sense. Uh, it's not a surprise uh, that you have a mass journalism, what's that? Journalism and mass communication. Journalism and mass communication. Co they're, they're renaming it to multimedia, digital, digital media, digital well, media. That would be a whole lot simpler <laughs> that you have this degree. So that's no surprise at all. But when I read your article the other day uh, on uh, social media, and I've watched your own social media journey, 
uh, over the years, and it has evolved. There's been ups and downs, and, and there's we continue to refine our lives, and you've refined yours. And at this juncture in your life, you've seen the adverse effect of social media, but but you also live in it. And so there's no way for any of us to disassociate ourselves from social media. There's no way to unplug completely. It's not possible. I mean, our banking accounts and, you know, medical records, and there's so much that is tied to the Internet, so it's not realistic. However, I, I think the operative word here is moderation. And so you've had to figure out how to live in a social media, technological, Internet world, but do so in such a way that it's not affecting your sanctification in adverse ways. And so, Tristan, I have a number of um, questions that I pulled uh, or I developed the questions from reading your blog post. And again, if you want to read that, just go to the show notes here. By the way, this is episode 386. I didn't say that. The title of it is Young Adult Shares Six Reasons to Give Up Social Media. And so Tristan gave us six reasons uh, to give it up. And so I read it. I liked it and asked if I can interview her. But here's one of the quotes. She said, in our modern world of progression and electronic communication, social media has become the primary way information is distributed and people connect. Now, that is that is true. Um good or bad, but that is true. As she went on to say, it's not common to find someone without social media from personal to professional relationships, yet here I am, end quote. And so in this episode, I, I want to interview uh, Tristan, and I want to talk about these six reasons to reduce or give up social media, and probably reduce would be the better way of saying it, because we can't totally uh, give it up. But uh, I think for most of us, uh, I think if most of us were honest about this, we would say we spend way too much time on social media. All right, so Tristan, I have some questions for you. Uh, you received a smartphone uh, later than most kids. Uh, you, How old were you when you got your smartphone? 16. You were 16 years old. Was that before or after? Well, you started driving right at 16 too, right? I got it for my 16th birthday, and I started driving six months after. No, wait, six yeah, right, right, right before it. Yeah. Did you think your parents were punishing you by giving you a a smartphone at at sixteen? Meaning giving it to you too late. I think I, I don't recall the average number. It seems like the last time I looked at the average age that a kid gets a smartphone, it's like seven or eight, maybe eight, is the number. Uh, you'd have to fact check me on that. But it's much earlier than sixteen. So, uh, were your parents punishing you, Trissa? No, that I only wanted one thing for my 16th birthday, and it was not a smartphone. <laughs> I'm sorry about not getting you that car. <laughs> no, it was a ring. I wanted a ring that was like actually made of like sterling silver and wouldn't turn my finger green. Um, <laughs> so did your purity ring turn your finger yeah green? yeah it did yeah because it wasn't made of like actual very good material and so the one thing I wanted was a ring that wouldn't like turn my finger green. Your parents are cheap and um, said got a phone, which which was you know good i needed it because i was driving and didn't have a way to communicate but i did not want it oh why didn't you not want it it was it, it had to do a lot with being involved in a co-op throughout middle school and then going to a public charter school uh, my first couple years of high school and i because i didn't have a phone i spent a lot of time just looking at the world around me and just making observations it was part of the reason of not having a phone not having something to constantly do 
I felt like I was not going to make any friends. And so I made a notebook called Observations of a Visual Learner. And while people were sitting in class on their phones, I started making notes about the red light on that fire alarm blinks red every five minutes. And there are 15 staples holding up that picture, um, which was what I did while everybody else was on their phone. And then yeah, I, sitting... do, I, do, I do apologize uh, <laughs> as I have many times. I just did a webinar on shaping influences and human motivations. And I talked about your labyrinthical mind and that you, you have my mind. And so when the ball drops at the top of your head, when a thought drops at the top of your head, and by the time it works out uh, your mouth, it goes through this maze, this labyrinth. And then eventually it comes out that uh, you and I, we are analyzers, we are processors, which uh, is a gift. But as Monk would say from the TV series, it's, it's also a blessing a curse. and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. And so you're looking at red lights blinking every five minutes and counting staples on the wall. Because I didn't, yeah. So that that that's the extreme version of that. The the more everyday effects of it was I got into cross stitching, embroidery, coloring, sketching, turning paper into cards and envelopes when um I was in a lunch period my ninth grade year of high school, and the eight other girls I was sitting with at a table were all on their phones. So I just kind of was like, well, I guess we're not going to be talking to each other. So I pulled out a sketchbook and started drawing. And um, that that is extreme versions of that. I they the people I went to high school with were not unfriendly. They weren't mean overall, but there I was seeing, I was getting the impression and I was getting the feeling that I felt devalued, and I knew that was not what they were going for. That wasn't their heart intention, but it was the impression that I was getting from them, and I didn't want that to be other people's experience with me. And so I therefore did not want a phone. I had no desire for it because although there were benefits from it, like in middle school, I was really, um, not not, ashamed is not the right word, but was self-conscious about having to go and ask somebody to borrow their phone whenever I needed to call my mom. And then lo and behold, it was a flip phone and I didn't know how to use that because we only had iPhones. So that was awkward from that standpoint, but I was looking at doing that and asking people and interacting people to ask for their phone when I needed it and then getting into high school and then feeling this impression of feeling devalued. I just weighed both of those and decided that the cons of having a phone were significantly heavier than the benefits of having one. And, you know, my parents at the first couple of years of high school, they were taking me around everywhere. So there was no need for me to have my own way to communicate. And then of course I turned 16 and you all made that decision for me that yes, you are driving by yourself and we need a way to reach you. Yeah, and there's a lot of tensions there. One you're talking about is fear of man, and fear of man is real. I mean, it comes with the Adamic package, and so we're born with fear of man, but fear of man can be exacerbated throughout our lives in in, in that awkward stage of going from kid to young adult, which we call the teenage years. Uh, fear of man can really be off the chart for some people, and so there can be that peer pressure, fear of man, uh, reaction to where I have to, I have to have a phone, and uh, you have always been remarkable at beating back your fear, man, and persevering, you know, through life, whether it's in social situations, putting yourself out there socially, and you know, fighting off any temptations to fear, man, or you know, the smartphone thing. Of course, that's a strong temptation. Unfortunately, too many parents uh, yield to that temptation rather than helping their children through their fear of man issues. But the other one that you're talking about as well is the devaluing effect. And I don't, I don't think that people realize that uh, ha- as powerful and as ubiquitous as, as it is. Uh, I have been in many conversations with people. I was with a 
person not so long ago. I'm not going to give too much information here because they may listen to uh, this podcast. But every when I was meeting with this person, I mean, they had their phone in their hand and they were constantly, and I do mean constantly, that's not hyperbole. I mean, they were checking their phone or some people were calling them or whatever, and they just would not flip it over on its face or, you know, mute it. I was meeting with a mutual friend of ours, a friend of yours, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's the first thing that I did is I silenced the phone, uh, put it on mute and turned it face down so it would not be distracting because that whether people intend it or not, that's that's what it feels like, that you're competing for somebody's attention. And so you could think of it like you're talking to two people, you know, the phone and the individual that's in front of you. And if you're constantly diverting to the other person, well, then you're just, you know, competing for that person's time and there can be a devaluing effect. So the reason I ask you if uh, your parents were punishing you is because Anza, our youngest, uh, she had someone, she goes to the same school that you attended the charter school and one of her friends asked her if her parents were punishing her because she's 15 now and doesn't have a phone. Of course, she has a love-hate relationship with it. She doesn't want one and she does want one. And I think some of that's that same tension, right? You know, if you're a man, everybody has one but me. I, it, so when you, first of all, when you were 16, what grade were you in, 11? I was a junior in high school, yeah. Yeah, you were 11 because you started, that's what I was saying earlier, you graduated high, uh, college at 20. And so you started school a little earlier. And you're born in October, and so that kind of gave you a, a little bit ahead of everybody else. Um, so uh, I forgot my question. Uh, I, I, you're oh, talking about So how many, how many people in school did not have a phone? Do you... It was me and Jared Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> the, and then our junior was, was Jared's parents punishing him. Uh, I don't, I don't know his backstory of it, uh, it, or maybe I did at a point. I don't remember now. But when we were, by the time we were juniors, me and Jared were the only two people in our grade, at least, that didn't have a phone. And when we became juniors, he got one. And so at sixteen, I was the only one in our class that didn't have a phone. Oh, praise God! You were the last. I was the last. Yes, the last. You'll be first. All right, so you've, you've got a phone, and, and Lucia and I gave you a phone uh, for the reason that you said. Uh, it, it's not, we've never uh, had a desire to check up on you. That's, that's, that's not what we do, of course, with you. Uh, that's never an issue. Uh, you, you, you're very much, I mean, it's obvious, you, it's obvious that you love the Lord, and uh, you have a, a very strong conscience, and, and you know between right and wrong. And so monitoring you has never been a thing uh, with us. We fully trust you and the decisions that you make along those lines. And so we're not worried about uh, where you are or so forth. But part of it is, uh, you know, if something did happen to you, that's one of the reasons. But the other reason uh, is that, uh, you know, if we needed something, we can, you know, ask you to, you know, pick up something. And so part of it was just a uh, efficiency time management issue. If you're out somewhere, we can call you and say, hey, run by the store. By the way, we have Life360 on all, all of our phone phones, and, and Life360 is an excellent app. We've been using it for years. And we can look at it and tell exactly where any of us are. But again, that's not for monitoring purposes. That's I realize it can be used that way, but if we look at it and say, "Oh, Tristan, hey, you're you're over there near Walmart. Would you just you know go pick up whatever?" So part of it was that. So there was convenience, there was efficiency, 
there was also safety issues as well. All right, so you got your phone. Um, what was that like initially? It was like, oh, okay, so, well, I, I have it now. I might as well make use of it. And so, you know, I downloaded some games and got the app set up and whatnot and was looking around. And I was really scared when I first got it, um, not in a, a crippling kind of way, but again, like I, I knew the impression of how I felt when other people were on their phones and I didn't want that to be the impression that people got from me. And so I was walking very carefully into the electronic world of having a phone and like, okay, let me, let me look at like, what do I need? What do I not need? And, um, you created an Instagram account for me my freshman year when I was 15. So I had that. Um, so I downloaded Instagram, downloaded a couple of games and was looking around. I never really got into news media outlets, but did have some social media, did, did download Pinterest and was doing that for a while. And then as, as time went on, it was only a couple months after I got my phone that I realized, you know, I really don't need games on my phone. Like that's just, I'm making more reasons for myself to be on my phone. And, and that's not what I ultimately want to do. So you went through the game phase. Yeah. So I had games on there for a couple months and then I just ended up deleting them all, which when my little cousins who were like probably six or seven at the time were like, when we got together at Christmas and they wanted to play games on my phone, they would ask me what type of games I had on there. Like, I don't have any games on my phone. Like, what? You don't have games on your phone? I was like, no, it's, I'd rather do something with my hands. Yeah, uh, I went through the game phase. and uh, You and I are similar in a lot of ways. And, and again, I apologize. But uh, I'm not into games either. And so I don't, if I had games, I have had games on my phone. One, I went through the game phase. And so I had to do that for a while. And it's really addictive, but it's a time mm -hmm. waster. And then the other reason is that other of our family members like games and some somehow they ended up on my phone at times i think because they didn't have phones and so they wanted to play which was fine but i'm not into games either uh, but i think that's i think when you get something new you 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 try out the different aspects of whatever it can do yeah. uh, and then you you know you get over it and so it it, it can be uh, up and down and so you went through the game phase and but you were also into Pinterest and Instagram and so that was a big pull it was for a little bit um I used to tell people Pinterest is how I think like if you want to know how I think go to my Pinterest account um my friends will laugh and tell you that I like if you poke me quotes will come out I just I speak in quotes I think in quotes I just talk and I randomly start quoting people and that's because I so I started out with Google Hangouts when I was in middle school and then when I found Pinterest I was like lo and behold this is the archives of treasury and I just had a board of thousands and thousands and thousands of quotes which um so having that there was a way to keep everything organized I am super organized I love uh, collecting things. I love taking in information and then sorting it out in a very visual, aesthetic, organize, organized kind of way. And Pinterest is exactly the way that that is. And so I had boards and sections and everything was super organized and really enjoyed that and a tool for that. And Pinterest was the one, Pinterest was the last thing to go um, in, the, in the long run story of all of this. Pinterest was the last thing that I deleted uh, because it it is a tool and I didn't I was using it as a tool and it was, it's very effective and very helpful, but it just came to a point of like, Hey, you know, I, I don't really need this. It's not ultimately I can do without it. And so when it came to it with deleting my games, uh, I was looking for less reasons to be on my phone. It's like, okay, I don't want to like my big goal here. I don't want to be on my phone. So let me make it as easy as possible 
to not be on my phone. Let me take out as many reasons as possible for me to be on my phone. Instagram uh, lasted significantly shorter than Pinterest, but it prop, but that's because it had a harder pool. Um, I love again organizing, taking information, and putting it out in a nice, concise, packaged little form. And Instagram was a great way to do that with keeping people up to date. And I would post a picture. A lot of people post on Instagram, like just whenever they have an aesthetic photo that they like, I posted by event. And so every time something happened, I would take the one picture that summarized it. Well, eventually I did. Originally, I was posting all 1500 photos that I had. And I, I don't I don't like that now. But anyway, so I was posting it by event. And again, it being very organized and being able to keep up in Uh, Again, I love taking in information. And so being on Instagram and being able to see what everybody was up to, whether I saw them at school, whether they lived farther away, it was a really good way to see what people were up to. And and that's ultimately what the pool of social media is, is because people care about people. We as humans care about people. And that's what I was finding Instagram to be. In your blog post, you talked about organic thinking. What did you mean by that? Organic thinking is basically how I summarize natural thoughts, uh, thoughts that you just come up with because you're connecting one idea and the next. And that is interrupted by social media because when you're scrolling through Instagram feeds, when you're taking in what other people are doing, you're thinking about your your mind is being centralized around what you are seeing in your feed. And so you're not just staring at the trees and connecting one thought from your day to another thought from your day. And it's a lot of in in a, in a hyperbole kind of where you're or just there's a lot of accuracy in it too is your thoughts are being manipulated and your your mind follows wherever your eyes are versus having quiet time where you can sit and connect one idea to the next yeah okay that makes sense uh, I, I then based on what you just said I do organic thinking all the time I, I spend a lot of time reflecting I have to reflect reflect on people's problems what people are going through or even if it's crafting an article or a webinar or a podcast to, to be able to build that, you really need isolated time. I mean, you have to go in a silo, and you, you really have to focus, think, pray, ask God, and wrestle through crafting something, but it, it, it needs a long stretch of time. And, and my life, that is my life. However, with social media, uh, we, we have it in two ways. We have our team. We have a 10-member team. And we have we use Slack as an app, a communication app, and I talk through that that I get interruptions regularly where people are asking something, and people don't understand that when they interrupt you, and and they do it, they don't they don't do it intentionally. Not not our team, they don't do that at all. But it just happens, and so I have to have a method of shutting that down so that I'm not interrupted. But then we have social media. And by the way, I wouldn't have social media at all if it wasn't for our ministry. And so if if we didn't have Facebook for a ministry or Instagram or Twitter, I would would deplatform myself. Lucia did that a number of years ago. She didn't have any social media. And I wouldn't have any either because I, I just don't have any desire to interact with people that aren't within my own sphere of influence. Uh, network here locally that I can build community with. However, when they ask questions, they don't understand that it's such an interruption of my day, and I just can't function that way. Now, fortunately, we have someone that takes care of our social media, so these later years of this ministry has been hugely beneficial because it allows me excuse me, it allows me to set aside time to actually have what you're saying is organic thinking. 
Now, I'm talking to Tristan Thomas here, and she wrote an article, and the article is linked in this episode, the show notes, episode 386. It's titled, Young Adults Share Six Reasons to Give Up Social Media. I'll share those six reasons in a little bit, but I just had some questions that I wanted to ask her. And so I think flowing out of this question of what is organic thinking, basically un- uninterrupted time where you can just focus and, and spend time you know, with the Lord reflecting, uh, which used to be a skill for all the dead guys uh, from 100 years ago. I mean, they didn't have these interruptions, and they could spend time in deep reflection. And, of course, it came out in their books. I mean, some of the best books you'll ever read are from writers who, you know, lived a hundred, two, three, four hundred years ago. But I have a, a long, it's a long question here. And so let me work through it and then I'll, we'll try to pick it apart. But you talked about the hurried mind, time wasting and not focusing on the right things. And those things are similar. You got to, your, your, your processor is running way too fast, which you're wasting time. You're not focusing on, on the right things. How do you think it's amping up the general discontentment while diminishing our ability to focus, process, and make substantial life changes? And so what I'm asking is if we're living sped up all the time and we're focused on the wrong things like social media, well, that can only create a discontented soul. And if our soul is discontented, uh, it's going to diminish our ability to focus and you know focus on the right things and and actually make substantial life changes. And so I don't want to give you a convoluted question, but does that make sense? Yeah, and a lot of that I think comes from this idea of like we as humans are a lot like water. We take the path of least resistance, and whether you realize it or not, the the natural instinct is to not realize it, and so you just scroll and scroll and scroll and. And then lo and behold, you look at your screen time and you're like, oh my word, I've spent so many hours of my day scrolling. And I think the average time that people spend on their phones is like eight hours a day, which is the average. And so saying that like a lot more people spend more time on their phones and which is really like, oh my goodness, how like how much of our days are we wasting where we could be doing more productive things? But it's because we as humans, we naturally, it is our innate bend to take the path of least resistance. And so we're doing the easy thing and we're just, we're just scrolling and we're not taking time to stop and like ask like, what are we actually doing? What's actually going on here? And then for people that don't stop and have a moment of quiet to just think about what they're doing with their lives, it does create this discontentment and people just start tying them up in circles in their rooms and they feel bad. They're in, in bad thought cycles and there's so much darkness and junk in their soul that they want to get rid of, but they don't know how to deal with it. And so they just keep scrolling or they turn the music up and they don't take time to sit down and confront themselves and to think about it. And it just becomes a vicious cycle that is only broken by like taking your eyes off your phone and and looking 20 feet away, looking at the sky, looking at the trees and just sitting in quiet and, and reflecting. Yeah, I I think, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I like the metaphor of the water. The water will go where water goes, um, and it will always not just seek the path of least resistance. Uh, But what we have to do, if we want to use the force of the water the right way, we have to actively engage it and bend it in ways that can be redemptive. But there's another aspect here is that there are other people on the other side of our phones and our computers who are evangelists, and they are actively trying to steer us, trying to steer the water in non-redemptive directions. You know, they use gamification, for example, um, 
on their different uh, platforms like Facebook or some your texting apps, for example. And, and you can you know you see those little bubbles popping up when someone's texting, mm-hmm. and that's a gamification feature, and it, it creates an addiction. And so when you see those bubbles popping up, you know somebody's getting ready to say something. Well, that's not there by accident. I mean, their Facebook's entire focus is to keep you on their app one second longer, one minute longer, and so not only are we tempted to take the path of least resistance, kick our brains in neutral. But there are people who are actively engaging us on the other side of these social media platforms that are pulling us deeper into it. And so you say, which I agree, it creates discontentment. It's a double whammy. It creates this soul noise uh, that we have internally, uh, but which diminishes our focus, which hinders us or impedes us from making any substantial, biblical, redemptive, positive life changes. And so it's a dastardly thing that they're doing, but it would be unfair to say, you know, put the onus completely on them. We're also doing it ourselves. As I heard you say the other night, we're amusing ourselves uh, to death. Uh, So talk to me about how much social media amped up uh, using this idea of soul noise, how much did social media amp up the noise in your soul and why did it? That goes back to the self-awareness and thinking about the, in this, I'm, I'm only 20 years old. I'm only 20% of the way through life. And so if you think about your phone being at 20%, that's, that's not very much at all. But in the 20 years that I have lived so far, I've learned a lot about myself. And what the one of the biggest things I've learned about myself is I need to think I, I have to think I take in a lot of input, I take in a lot of sources. And in order for me to function as a human being, I have to be able to sort that out. I have to be able to process it and reflect on it and get all of my ducks in a row and all of my little ticks on the um, al- albicus or whatever that thing is with colored dots that you move from one side to the other. Um, I have to get that all sorted out. And so that's the biggest thing that I had against social media. Again, going back to this thinking thing is I knew even in high school, I knew I needed to think I knew I needed to process and reflect. And I couldn't do that when so many other sources were being put into my brain through my eyes of what I was seeing on social media. And so while I I tried deleting Instagram and Pinterest off my phone and solely accessing them from my computer, I tried doing that. But even then, still going and scrolling through it and and then downloading it on my phone because it was easier that way. And it was just input after input after input. And and even for a while there, uh, shortly into my junior semester, junior year of college, I deleted Spotify as well. Um, I got to a point in college where I had so much going on in my head. There's a great podcast on Spotify. It's called (laughs) Life Over Coffee. Just go subscribe to it. Go go follow it. Um, But I, I had so many thoughts going on in my head and I had to sort them through. I knew I needed to sort them through, but that wasn't happening when the moments alone in the car I had by myself with no virtually no noise were uh, being interrupted by music. So I deleted that too. Um, eventually I ended up getting it back, but I deleted it because I needed to take time to think, to process, to sit in the quiet and sort things th- sort things out. Why do you think some folks prefer social media over real life? It's ultimately because we're scared. We, we don't want to, we don't want to face ourselves. We, we as humans with taking the path of least resistance, we, 
uh, whether we realize it or not, it is our innate bend to do everything in our power to avoid conflict and tension. We don't want to have conversations with our hard conversations with ourselves or with other people. Um, and even when you do realize this, like I realize this in myself, and it's still hard for me to have hard conversations with people, whether I initiate them or walking into them, regardless. And this was a huge theme in my life in 2020 of realizing I came face to face with the darkness and deep set depravity of my soul. And it sent me hightailing direct in hightailing running in the other direction because I didn't want to see it. Um, I am fully convinced that if we realized and fully grasped the darkness of our soul, we would just implode. Like there's no way we would be able to grasp it. And that's beautiful in one sense, because the more you realize the darkness of your soul, the more you see the glory of God. And so I've had to work through that and wrestle through that and grow in balancing. Yes, I am a sinner, but saved, a, a, a saved, a saved sinner, focusing on, on a sinner saved by grace, focusing on a balanced view of the sinner and the grace part versus just the sinner part. And so I've had to work through that myself, but if the natural bend for us as humans and a huge part of where our society and culture is going is we just, we don't want to do that. We don't want to sit down and realize that we are not actually good at the core um, and we don't want to work through that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Mark uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook yes. guy. Yeah. Yes. So uh, he recently said that that's one of the reasons that he's creating the, I shouldn't laugh because actually it's sad, but one of the reasons that he's creating the metaverse, uh, he said that reality is hard. And because so what he's saying is is because real, reality is hard, what we want to do is create an artificial world. Uh, that you can enter into, which is a just a horrible thought, but that's what's coming, and everybody needs to know that. We all need to know that, that the metaverse is here already, and that if you have a hard time accepting or don't know how to deal with the reality of what's going on in your life, the temptation uh, to jump into a fake world uh, is very strong. And as I was saying earlier, they are very aggressive, and the metaverse is going to be the next thing out there where they're going to pull us into this artificial artificial world. So let's flip it around uh, because you have gone back and forth with social media as you're trying to find that happy moderating uh, moderation spot. And so what are some of the good uses of technology and social media? There are a lot of good benefits. The majority of the world is on social media. And so it is a, it's probably the most powerful tool we have in the modern age to connect with people, to spread the word, to get things out there and uh, connect, connect with people. So if like for businesses, like what you were saying about, you wouldn't have social media if it wasn't right. for the ministry. It's a huge thing for like to go where the people are. Uh, again, taking the path of least resistance, people aren't going to come find you. You have to go to them. And so social media is the most effective way of getting your business online and taking it to people, whether through posting or through ads. And so it's huge for connecting your customers, your audience to your business. Um, it's also good for connecting people. Um, and that's all. That's a lot of times where it stops is just connecting with somebody online, that you, like friending somebody on Facebook that you knew in high school. And that's ultimately where it stops. But what's can be beautiful and a great use of social media is when the connection doesn't stop with friending someone and you like message them and you go get together in person. That's where a beautiful connection of social media would be. And then awareness of what's going on in our world. And that that's another reason why I just deleted everything to begin with because I, I care too much. My heart is like too um, empath empathetic to to look at everything that's going on our in our world today. 
And it, it's good to be aware of what's going on, um, but but I prefer being under a rock because it's it's too much weight for me to carry. Um, but in one sense, you you do need to know what's going on around you. I've just I've just chosen to take that in from people I know rather than the internet. Yeah, and that's uh, that's where you that's the mama side. That's where you got Lucia. Uh, as we sit around the dinner table talking about COVID or you know whatever the horrific thing is wafting through our culture and country, uh, you don't care to, you kind of diminish, uh, you kind of shrink in the chair as those conversations uh, keep evolving at the dinner table. Uh, moms like that as well. Uh, years ago when I started counseling, uh, I, I wanted to be open and transparent about uh, some of the counseling situations that I had appropriately and just let her know what I'm doing so that, you know, she would be informed. But she told me, she said, I, you know, I trust you and I just don't want to know. I got enough junk in my own life to tend to. So uh, that sounded like Lucia talking when I was hearing you talking uh, just now. The weight of the world is too much for my two hands to hold. Oh, that's a good one. It's, it's a song. Oh. <laughs> Again, if you poke me, quotes come out. Okay. Yeah, I'm a I'm a blog title. Uh, I'm a walking blog title, so if it, I, I think that way too. All right. So you said uh, maybe then we can go back to pleasant surprises of how much one has grown rather than contentment breeding familiarity. And, and again, I'm reading from your blog post. But what did you mean by contentment breeding familiarity? This image and picture came up, especially with the holiday season of extended family getting together in homes and. Um, and even people that you hadn't, uh, one story we were laughing about the other day around our dinner tables when I was a freshman in high school and somebody that we had known from an old church, uh, we were in the same school, he hadn't seen me in four years and he walked up to me and he was like, wow, you've grown a lot. And, and so contentment breeding familiarity, um, familiarity breeds contentment. And so when you think about getting together with extended family for Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, and you, you see them, um, if you're, if you're connected with them on social media and they're posting about their kids, they're posting about what they're doing, you're seeing them all the time, or depending on how much they post. And so when you get together with them in person, it, there's no surprise there of like, wow, you've grown a lot or wow, you've changed or wow, you can read now, write now. And so instead of seeing these joyous, pleasant surprises of the beauty of how much, as C.S. Lewis once said, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. And so when you're connected with people on social media, you're seeing the day to day and therefore you miss out and you don't see the changes that are happening on the day to day. And while that can be good and beneficial when you gather together with people and you take that out, it kind of removes this like, oh, wow, it's so good to see you. It's so good to catch up on what we've missed in between our gatherings, whether annually, semi-annually, however often you get together with people, whether family or friends, and you take out that pleasant surprise of how much people have grown. Um, you know that you can rejoice and talk and bond over other things, but there is an aspect there that's removed when you see them all the time online. Yeah, that's actually a good point. It's kind of like when you buy a car and uh, you take care of it and you're out there waxing it like every other day and vacuuming it. And when someone gets in it, you're looking at them, you're looking at their feet, make sure they don't get the uh, carpet, you know, get a piece of grass on it or whatever. And then, you know, uh, three, four years later, it's caked with mud and you really don't care anymore. You just get so uh, used to it. Uh, and then but, you look at a picture of when you first got it and you're like, oh, wow, the car oh. was really clean. My goodness. Maybe we should clean it again. That was a nice car. Yeah. All right. So why were you convinced that you did not want to be part of the dominant 
church culture. Uh, I'm sorry, dominant culture in high school. And it can apply to church too. Church culture as well. You probably have answered that with all that you said, but just you know, just get a couple of of highlights. Yeah, it was a huge part of, since I didn't have a phone, I was spending the time at school observing what was around me. And I saw how people were not looking each other in the eye because they were constantly being pulled back to their phones. And um, one book that I would recommend reading uh, that summarizes everything I could possibly say about social media is 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Rink, Rink, R-E-I-N-K-E. Rinky. Rinky, Rinky. Mm-hmm. Good. Now I know how to say that. Uh, but he but he was talking about how ev- even if you're not on your phone, your phone being face up or face down on the table, everybody knows that your phone, whether we realize it or not, your phone is the electronic world that you've crafted for yourself. And I just observed in high school of how people were being pulled back to that phone and subconsciously or consciously were feeling devalued. I was noticing other people were getting that impression, whether they realized it or not. And I felt that impression of one conversation I had at the beginning of my junior year of high school, where this girl was looking at her phone, looking from my eyes to her phone, responding to a text, my eyes to her phone, responding to a text. And I I just did not feel valued uh, for that. And I don't say that in a, in a wanting for like, you should lift me up kind of way. But I was just thinking of that. And like, we as human beings like our purpose here on earth you weren't given another day in your life because you need it but because somebody else needs you and christ calls us to love other people and when whether you intend to or not you are when you're projecting this open dismissiveness to the people around you by being on your phone you're not loving your neighbor and that's ultimately why we're here on earth is to be an arrow to be a pointer to point back of like to to christ and to love other people and to be an example through our actions and so observing the dominant culture of my high school of how technology was hindering this was uh contra- contrasting our goal our mission of why we're here on earth i was just like i don't want to be a part of this it's I am here to love other people. That is my purpose. And that's not happening when I have a screen between me and the other person. Yeah, so like uh, what John said in 129, uh, talking about John the Baptist, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so making an application point, uh, the phone or technology or social media can be all about us where we are feeding ourselves. We're feeding our discontentment or you call it contentment breeding familiarity. Uh, but we are increasing uh, rather than using technology redemptive. And so if you do use technology, the key is to use it in a redemptive way. So is it building up Christ? Is it pointing to Christ? Is it spreading God's fame? Now, you can spread God's fame by using technology for your own purposes, for growing and maturing in Christ, Uh, You can also use technology redemptively by reaching out and helping other people. And so let's flip it around again. Uh, This will be my last question. And then I want to, I'll just run through these uh, six points that you make because the title of the podcast is Young Adult Shares Six Reasons to Give Up Social Media. And so I do want to mention those six reasons. By the way, I'm interviewing Tristan Thomas, our daughter, uh, as she's has been working through finding her spot and relationship with social media. And so the final question, what are some good smartphone tips when you meet up uh, with someone to chat? Very simply, keep it out of sight. If you have a backpack, you have a purse, like under your leg, just keep it out of sight. 
Um, that's what Tony Renke was talking about in his book is even if your phone is face down, turned off on the table, there's still the possibility that if it buzzes or if it rings, you're going to be tempted and, and likely will be just impulsively will grab it instead of paying attention to the person in front of you. Um, another blog post that I wrote, what makes a person beautiful, I talk about how the most beautiful people value blue eyes over blue light, or, or just eyes in general. And so making a point to while you are in that 4D context of having sight and sound and feeling in touch with a person to like make a point to make as much eye contact as possible, like even a huge impact of all of this on the children and babies that are coming in our age is that they're not getting the eye contact that they need for development because we're looking at our phones and not into the eyes of a baby, but even not with babies, with the people that we know just around in our day to day, make a point to make eye contact, to pay attention with them. Eye contact is the number one way in communication to let people know that you are listening to them. And so if you're not looking into their eyes, that that's the biggest part. So if you, I mean, like, look, like just keep your phone in your car. Like if you can even do that, like, that'd be great if you didn't need it. If, if you like think, think it through, like, do you really need this? Is there really a purpose for you to have it with you right now? Um, uh, and if you do need it, to, if you do need it to be on you, then just keep it out of sight while you are with another person and save your notification checking, save your uh, whatever it is that you use your phone for when you are not with somebody that you should be paying attention to. Yeah, I, I turn mine face down uh, when I'm meeting with someone, but uh, I also uh, mute it because uh, I don't want it buzzing because that's really annoying. I am interviewing Tristan Thomas. This is episode 386. She is the voice for all the outros uh, for Life Over Coffee. It's titled, Young Adults Share Six Reasons to Give Up Social Media. I want you to read the article that she wrote. By the way, what is your uh, blog post uh, title? TristanSinclair.com. Tristan is spelled T-R-I-S-T-E-N. And then Sinclair is S-Y-N-C-L-A-I-R. TristanSinclair.com. Yes, and so uh, there you have it, Tristan Sinclair, and again, there's a link here to the article that we have been working through. All right, so I want to give the six uh, reasons uh, to give up social media, or maybe we would insert reduce social media, uh, because again, it would be impossible to completely give it up, but I think reduction is a call to order for, a call to action for probably 99.99% of the people that are listening to this podcast. And so uh, we'll go from six to one. I will read it and then just give me a short sentence or two and we'll move right through this. Number six, to care for those around me. That goes back to what I was saying about feeling devalued and objected. And so not being on your phone as least as you can possibly be on it will help give a air of loving the people around you. Counting others more significant than your smartphone, as Paul would kind of write in Philippians 2. All right, number five, to connect with those around me. This goes back to looking at who is around you and being like, okay, I am here in a body of people, and I'm going to pay attention to them and attend to my personal stuff when I am alone. Number four, to listen to the soundtrack of the world. This goes back to being observant and thinking and noticing the, the wind and the passing cars and what's going on around you versus filling your mind with so much noise, which goes back to the, the real beauty of silence, being able to think and reflect and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Number three, to use more of my time productively. So if you're not on social media, if you're not on your phone, you can be doing other productive things like in interacting with the world around you and, and making something and, and doing something that checks off your to-do list versus just waste time. 
Number two, to fill my mind with good things. This goes back to Philippians 4, 8. A lot of what we find on social media is is not, it can be uh, bad and hindering and, and send us down negative thought lines. And so if you remove a lot of the input that you get from your phone, you can be more uh, inclined to think about good, honorable, lovely, commendable things. Number one, to connect, I have to downsize. This is specifically talking about me, but it's encouraging you to think about who are you as a person? What is it that you ultimately want out of social media? What is it, where are you going in your life? And how is social media helping or hindering you from getting there? So my challenge for you is to, to look at yourself, to look at your lifestyle and whatever you find with who you are as a person and what you want out of life, make sure that social media is there for a purpose and is helping you accordingly. All right, so in these show notes, uh, episode 386, uh, I also have embedded links in here as well. And so if you want to have a video also, it's called 10 Keys to Reducing the Noise in Your Soul. You can watch this uh, short uh, nine-minute video. There are embedded links here uh, that will help you as well. One of the things that Tristan uh, mentioned about eye contact with nursing mothers and babies uh, right from jump, uh, this is how... Uh, humans uh, begin to connect relationally with other humans and the phone has now interrupted uh, breastfeeding and eye contact and I have an article here called what is the cyber effect and what can you do about it I would encourage you to read that article or listen to the podcast again it's linked here in episode 386 this is from my reading the book the cyber effect uh, it is a powerful book that really impacted me a lot about how I think and uh, use uh, social media. All right, so Tristan, I'm going to go through the call to action here. Is this call to action yours? Did I take this from your article? I believe so. It looks like it's, yeah. All right, so what do I ultimately want out of social media? So that's one of the questions that you know all of us have to ask. Uh, you also have, why am I on this platform? What is the point, the goal, the end game? What would, uh, what would I be satisfied? Maybe what would I be satisfied? What would satisfy me? And so you're, you're all of these questions are, are the same. Uh, what's the point? I mean, what is the point of it all? For me, I talk about redemptive use of technology. Uh, that's really the point of me using technology. And that's why I, I don't do Facebook personally. Or, or don't do anything else personally. It's all about uh, using it redemptively and trying to point people to Christ. You work for Herd, what'd you call it? Media, Herd Media. Herd Media. What do they do? They are a podcast development company. So basically, if you want to start a podcast, you would come to us and we would help you with anything and everything that you need from production of your podcast to actually marketing it. All right. So, and then also in the call to action, uh, there's a good bit here, but uh, there's there's three points. Uh, social media, just like anything else, you say can be used for good or evil. So, a few recommendations, and you give three. Uh, I'll mention these three, and then just give me a couple of a bullet thoughts. Uh, set boundaries. You just like look at look at what it is that um, you are doing on social media, and make it make give yourself less the least amount of reasons to be on your phone as possible. Uh, set up like, hey, I'm going to leave my phone on my desk and I am not going to, like, I'm going to not touch it and go to sleep. And then the next time I do it will be after my quiet time in the morning. So just just put your phone in a box. Don't let your phone put you in a box. Hmm. That's a good one, too. I made that up. 
Excellent. Uh, and you say here, not mindless amusement. Uh, the word amusement, uh, muse means mind, and the letter A is a negation, amuse. And so that uh, the word amusement means without the mind is what the word means. And so when you say amusement, it's basically it's doing something that doesn't require your mind. And so amusing ourselves to death is not a good thing. All right, so set boundaries. Number two, have a clear mission. Think about why you're on social media. Like, why? What's the point? Uh, for me, it's to cultivate the goodness. Find the silver linings. Like, and, and do your best to find the hard but good truth that's predominantly lost in the chaos of the world. Don't lose yourself in the myriads of voices, but keep a clear focus on why you're here and what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, I think too many voices is a big thing. There's a lot of people talking, and you have to choose, not just choose the voices that you're li you're listening to, uh, because no matter how much you reduce social media, there will always be a lot of voices uh, speaking into your mind. And so as you stare at the bank of voices that are talking at you, uh, you have to train yourself to listen to the one voice that uh, should transcend all of those, and that is uh, God's Word. Number three, this is the last one, be open, be honest, be real. Yeah, think about who you are and, 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 and what your belief is, what your convictions are, and, and be transparent about that. People care about people, and that's honestly the biggest draw of social media is we want to know, and we're looking for help. We're looking for somebody that is going through what we're going through. And so showing the heart behind who you are and not just the talking head of this is my ministry and this is why you should follow my ministry, but show the heart behind it. Show who you are as a person, and, and people are that's what the people are looking for is the raw human side of you that tells them that they're not alone. This is episode 368. You are listening to The Voice, Tristan Thomas, the outro for Life Over Coffee. This is titled Young Adults. Young Adults share six reasons to give up social media. Uh, you can read her article. You can watch this uh, short video on reducing 10 keys to reducing the noise in your soul. There's a lot of embedded links here as well. Uh, perhaps if you have any questions for Tristan, uh, I, I'm putting her out there, but uh, maybe you can write in on our community forum. We have forums, and uh, maybe I can get her to respond to you. But if you want to talk to us, uh, go ahead and ask her a question if you have, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to do that, right? Yeah, there's also I also have a feedback thing on the homepage of my blog, and, and if you want to get more posts from me on the homepage of my blog, there's where you can uh, email subscribe, and you will get an email notification every time I publish a new post. Yeah, that's TristanSinclair.com, and you do want to subscribe to that blog because it's what's happening. The thing that's uh, really cool is that uh, she is a young adult. Again, she's 20 years old. And there is a wave of young adults, by the way, uh, that are giving up a lot of things. And maybe this is in part uh, had to do with uh, the COVID, uh, the pandemic, uh, too much social media, but there are a lot of kids that are walking away from it. And I'm, I'm very glad. Uh, I was glad to hear that statistic whenever I read it some time ago, uh, that there is a revolution. And I wanted you to hear from a young adult rather than just an old guy talking about the evils of technology. Uh, but the young people are thinking that way as well. Any parting thoughts there, Tritter? And uh, we'll wrap her up. Yeah, so just ultimately just think, think and reflect and, and 
look who you are as a person and, and what your purpose is of why you're here on earth in this in this short life that we have and how what you are doing, what you are engaging in, what you are have in your life, the tools that you have, how you can use it as a tool and not let it suck your life from you, but use it redemptively. All right, there it is. I'm going to turn it over to her as she wraps up with her her outro. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.